Hi, Ram. Can you believe it has been a year since you had to cancel your visit to our university at the very last minute due to COVID? It feels like yesterday. Our follow-up conversations about student welfare, their classes, and the transition of teaching from classrooms to online led us to form the Discussion Forum for Online Teaching, or DFOT as we call it. In the meanwhile, you had also initiated, along with Sujin Babu, a collection of articles by teachers about their experience with this transition for Confluence, the online portal of the Indian Academy of Sciences. Tell me, what made you to do these? Was it some foresight or was it because you were plain bored? Well, the, the, the truth is somewhere in between, uh, Madhu, like most things. Um, it is true that uh, I, I was very, uh, very uh, fearful of the pandemic and it's and exactly how long it was going to last was not clear to me. Uh, I can't believe that it's been a year, but today, if you ask me, uh, I think it's going to take us at least another year, if not two, to come out of it. Um, the main reason why I felt I used to be somewhat, uh, you know, I, there was a lot of uh, anxiety about this pandemic was that uh, it was something that was spreading very rapidly. And uh, it also became apparent to me that until everybody was cured, uh, we would not be over this, uh, over the actual pandemic. So uh, the urge to develop a vaccine, etc., etc., all that, of course, we know what the world has been doing. I felt that the uh, academic community, particularly the teaching community, uh, needed to understand that this was a long-term effect. Uh, I couldn't see all the ramifications of it, of course, but I felt that it was not going to go away fast. It was something that was going to affect different parts of the country in a very different way. And uh, so when the student uh, from Hyderabad uh, wrote to me to ask a bunch of questions as to, you know, what did I think of the pandemic and moving online, et cetera, et cetera, I felt that my individual answer was not nearly as important as the collective answer of a large number of teachers from different geographical locations, from different subjects, uh, and from different kinds of institutions, because uh, the way in which a well-endowed uh, institute uh, thought about this pandemic uh, and the way in which a small junior college uh, in a semi-rural setting uh, was able to respond were going to be very different. And so we started out this series of articles in Confluence. And uh, as you know, you were invited to uh, write an article for them, uh, and it, it turned out to be one of the best, uh, you know, best series of articles that Confluence has done. And now it's been turned into a book, which can be downloaded uh, free of charge, uh, where people just talk about their experiences, and in reading about other people's experiences, one can, of course, uh, find much to learn from that. So that's more or less how that started. That's interesting and impressive because I think this whole idea of learning and teaching being a collective process is something that many of us don't really understand, how important it is 
for us to talk and find some common solutions. And uh, I really see the, the wisdom behind starting both default and the conference practices. Hey, see, uh, no, I'm sorry, uh, Madhu, what I was going to say is that, you know, uh, there's this famous Chinese book, which uh, Hillary Clinton used to quote, which says it takes a village to teach a child. Yeah. Uh, it may take a village to teach a child, but it also takes an entire department to teach anybody in a higher education institute. And uh, I have for a long time emphasized that teaching is a communal activity, communal in the sense of is a property of the community of teachers. It is, if you and I are in the same department, the quality of your teaching may very well depend on how well I have taught a previous subject and so on. So the interlinking of people, the interlinking of disciplines, all this should be really seen as part of the larger landscape. And uh, I have felt that, uh, you know, that it is not possible to just worry about one institution uh, doing well or failing. Uh, it has to be somehow the greater collective good. I agree with you entirely on that. So while you are personally well known for your research involving computations of basically nonlinear dynamics, I also know of your passion for laboratory courses the UG teaching lab that you would show with extreme pride when we visited your uh, office at JNU, where you had things where you could churn and you know mix colors and unmix them and demonstrate chaos, still is fresh in my mind. And you had also given us a workbench of uh, 10 experiments uh, in hydrodynamics when we started uh, the teaching labs at CAT. So with all these you know, passions that you have, uh, especially with uh, reference to experiments and teaching laboratories. What do you feel when many teachers went into a denial mode of going, the teaching going online? Well, I think that, you know, um, as, as a community, we just didn't understand how serious this was and how long term it was going to be. Uh, I know very well that in the month of April last year, so about a year ago, people were anticipating that, you know, it may go on till June, July. Uh, I myself was not particularly, uh, you know, wise in knowing that it would last longer than this and so on. Um, there were models, but models were based on, uh, on patchy data, insufficient uh, information and insufficient uh, assumptions. Uh, I mean, there were there were there were some people who were saying very dire things and there were some people who were saying it was all going to be over by june i know that institutions like the iits postponed their laboratory courses till a later time when things were going to be all right nevertheless uh, two types of experiments were put on the back burner uh, and uh, those have both, you know, not, we haven't been able to resume them. Okay, the first type of experiment was uh, really, you know, large scale undergraduate experiments, uh, because we haven't been able to bring back the undergraduates into the uh, un into universities. 
master's level students have come back by and large they've been you know at iit for example we've had staggered experiments i'm sure at cutn also you've managed to get uh, get one batch the final final students out uh, but master's level students have solved the problem to some extent but original research you know research laboratories again they have suffered very very drastically so uh, we as we are seeing a breakdown of the entire system uh, the way there will be at least one or two years two batches of students who will have not had complete uh, will have not had complete uh, education or their education has not been rounded out as as well as it should have been that is true and that is the common concern for all teachers because uh, you're right research has taken a backseat speaking of research this is the cue for my next question to you and this is especially to you because you have also had the administrative experience especially as a vice chancellor we are all well aware that both recruitments and promotions in institutes of higher education are based on research output and because of which teaching usually takes a backseat what do you make of all this is it really the way it should be i mean this is a question beyond covid this is a question beyond the pandemic in our country we've made a very clear choice that we will have a few uh, small institutions or few very well endowed institutions where the uh, scientists will not have the responsibility of teaching the large courses uh, they will still guide and mentor phd students but the bulk of teaching um, you know iit for example has classes of 1000 students uh, right. in iit bombay there's a, there are classes of 600 students at iit delhi and uh, other universities have students of you know 200 etc etc non stem subjects also because this is really not about science versus the uh, humanities no right so teaching large classes is the the has been made the job of uh, universities colleges and so on whereas uh, the people who are uh, get more money for research and so and uh, they are in these research institutes which are somewhat small and somewhat more than somewhat elite <laughs> right but you know, having taught at JNU, I know that the the uh, for for a long time, uh, I know that it is extremely important that we train large numbers of students, not to satisfy some government's uh, requirement of the gross enrollment ratio, but more to see that um, that our uh, you know that, that the average level of intellectual activity in the country goes up. How do you do that without training a large fraction of the population? Uh, you know, denying education to uh, to people is quite simple, uh, especially if you make very limited seats available in each institution. Absolutely, and online teaching seems to be one way to overcome this problem of having a limited number of seats in institutes. So uh, let's discuss the discussion forum for online teaching.
So let me remind you, Madhu, that uh, after we were doing uh, these essays on confluence, uh, you know, we said, what do we do? We need to not just list the problems. Let's talk about some solutions. And uh, that's actually the main idea that went into DFOT or DFOT. Uh, when we started this discussion forum for online teaching, uh, we were, I mean, let me just remind you some of the, the things that went into our thinking. We wanted it to be democratic. We wanted no particular person to be uh, privileged in giving out information because uh, this has been a, a, a point that we've made all the time that, uh, that this, is, uh, this is a problem that affects all of us may not affect all of us equally, but uh, it affects all of us. So we are in it together. And uh, then we also realized that there was not just one or two, but many, many uh, things that we all needed to talk about, starting with, uh, for example, where to put the camera when you're giving an online talk. Uh, how much, uh, how long should an online talk be? How you know, how do we deal with complicated concepts uh, and so on and so forth. And so we realized that we had uh, quite a bit of stuff cut out for us. And that's uh, uh, that's when we got the format. Uh, and it's had some kind of, I mean, it, it's now been about eight months that uh, DFOT has been running, eight or nine months actually. And uh, while it is true that a certain amount of steam has gone out, uh, I have a feeling that like the pandemic, interest in online teaching will also have waves uh, because it's, it's inevitable. You know, in the first episode, everyone thought that it was, you know, it was all going to finish uh, in no time whatsoever. And now suddenly you realize that not only is the second wave of the pandemic coming, uh, but it's stronger than before, which means that the classes are going to be, I mean, you can't be more online, but uh, the classes going offline, the possibility of that is getting reduced. And so you better start getting good at this. And so I actually anticipate that we need to talk about some issues bring them back to the teaching community uh, and to the teaching administration community and try to get some systems in place. As I couldn't agree more with you on this because uh, it's very true that uh, interest in online teaching is coming back in waves. Uh, I was recently attending another large academic body meeting and most of the concerns were about how to teach online and how to conduct evaluations, things that we have been discussing in the fourth since August class. Yeah. So this is very true that, uh, you know, we, we need to really get our act of online teaching together in a better fashion. And uh, can we be more online? I think uh, you kind of guessed it. We were online physically, but I think mentally we need to accept that this online is here to stay and immerse ourselves into it. So maybe there is a little more to going online. Yeah, no, I, actually, uh, you know, Madhu, uh, I mean, I was only partially in uh, saying this in jest because uh, one of the biggest criticisms of the way in which India has descended into chaos uh, during the second wave uh, has been uh, the fact that uh, we never prepared. 
that you know why did we not make oxygen factories why did we not in, invest in uh, hospital beds why did we not invest in more icus why did we not strengthen the healthcare system now let me bring this to education why have we not increased the internet bandwidth why have we not enabled our students why have we not trained our teachers why have we not thought about the different pedagogy that is required for online i don't think it's very late but i think that the same kinds of concerns that we uh, have expressed on the matter of public health has to be expressed on the matter of public education we have to invest in this in exactly the same way in all the dimensions that that are necessary uh, and i think that the only community that can do it is the is the teaching community so there is uh, there is a need for defort to come back and come back strong i agree but uh, in addition to all that you have said which is all very true i think we need to have the academic administration also in line because even today most of the institutes and teachers rely on freeware to run their large classes which is inadequate we don't have adequate in bandwidth support device support logistical support of the other kind the syllabus needs to be reframed we need to have a relook at the way we are teaching and how much we teach and i so, think this requires teachers students and administrators to work together what do you say absolutely uh, i mean more than i see the, my, uh, the analogy with the way in which we did not use the uh, lesson of the first wave uh, to strengthen our healthcare system we have not used the lesson of the first wave to strengthen our academic our online teaching uh, all all the all the things that are necessary uh and i and i hope that we will cover them in a um, in in, a, in subsequent uh, episodes of uh, defort uh, but you know let me just uh, mention again because this is the first episode first podcast that we are doing uh, right. for uh, our defort community uh, what we hope to do in these series of podcasts is to summarize the 14 uh, 13 or 14 different episodes that we did have in the um, uh, in in uh, panel discussions that we had on defort uh, and these have dealt with a variety of topics which continue to be relevant so uh, let me just remind uh, remind our uh, listeners as to what these were in the very first episode we dealt with uh, first panel discussion of the uh, forty uh, we looked at the question of how to engage students online uh, we looked at and in subsequent ones we have looked at issues like online evaluation uh, we've looked at the role of administration we've looked at certain specific subjects and how to teach them uh, mathematics and theoretical physics or uh, music and dance and fine arts or the humanities uh, philosophy sociology and so on uh, so we discussed subject specific difficulties of pedagogy uh, we've talked about what the students needs are and what is their voice and how they have taken to online teaching and uh, we've also talked a lot to different teachers and the uh, kind of support or lack thereof that they have got 
uh, particularly on the matter of uh, mental health and on the matter of disabilities. So we've actually covered a whole range of topics in the earlier panel discussions on uh, default. But uh, as we go forward, we will uh, try to use these, uh, you know, these summaries, these podcasts to just highlight the important parts of the uh, of uh, what we have learned from uh, DFOT and uh, take it from there. Yes, Ram, thanks for uh, summarizing what we had done till now. Uh, the listeners can visit our uh, website, which is on the geo, uh, on the Google sites at default 2020 or email us at default 2020 at gmail.com and we can get back in touch with all of you. We have a Slack channel that we have a telegram group and uh, we teachers interact quite actively over these channels. And the future podcast, of course, like uh, Ram just mentioned, we would be summarizing the previous events. But Ram, what is the plan for future for near future for the? I'm not going to, you know, venture out into predicting what's going to happen. Uh, you know, because uh, one of the things that has happened in the second wave is that the mental bandwidth that we have uh, for uh, issues other than looking after our physical health. Uh, that is actually quite low. One of the one of the sad consequences of the pandemic is has been the reduced capacity of almost everybody, and uh, with many teachers, it is just a case of getting by, uh, not letting your students down, and just going almost on an autopilot mode. Uh, we all need a lot of help in coping with this particular situation. And as we will move forward uh, with DFOT, uh, let's just hope that we can make our Slack channel a little more interactive and a little more useful. Uh, let's also look towards a little more of advocacy uh, and trying to get the, you know, trying to get people who can get things done, do what they can do. Uh, I think a lot of in very small level interventions can really help people a lot. And let's try to get some of that done. Okay. On that positive note, let's say bye for now and meet in the next one. Okay. Bye. bye.